Qualcomm is jumping in on the uh, quick charge trend. Well, I mean, they've been doing quick charge for a while, but I mean like the super fast, the next generation quick charge. Uh, we reported on a couple of proprietary technologies from Oppo and others where they're going after some crazy quick charge figures. However, those are typically limited to the devices from those manufacturers because they see it as a differentiating characteristic and then that super like 125 watt charge will be a selling feature for some upcoming flagship that they're going to put out there. Qualcomm, on the other hand, they're trying to create a standard around uh, something that manufacturers can adopt regardless of which manufacturer it is, assuming they're using Qualcomm technology. So it is still some sort of proprietary thing, but they have the advantage. They have an advantage in the sense that their technology, quick charge as it's called, uh, is backwards compatible. So their version is zero to 50% battery in five minutes, quick charge five will also work with I mean, if you scroll down to the graphic here, quick charge four, four plus, three plus, three, quick charge two. Now, of course, it's not going to charge at the same rate that it would if the device was quick charge five capable, but it's still, at least you're getting some version of quick charge on your older devices. Mm. You see how that works well? Mm -hmm. So there's an advantage to going the quick charge route. Now, of course, they're going to have to convince these various manufacturers to adopt their quick charge standard in order for that to be the case. But for the consumer, this is positive because what it means is now you have another, you have a big player, Qualcomm size player, committing to quick charge at 100 watts plus mm. to give you a little taste of a zero to 55, which I like because it's easy to remember. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's a 4,500 milliamp hour battery if you're wondering. Now, they also uh, have some other claims in here for this Quick Charge 5, this uh, new technology, that uh, it's going to be more power efficient than Quick Charge 4. In fact, 70% uh, more power efficient, and it's going to run 18 degrees Fahrenheit cooler because everybody's worried about heat when you're talking about this fast charging that's out there. QC5 includes Qualcomm's new battery saver tech, which looks to maximize power efficiency and reduce the thermal impacts of charging. That's your your heat thing, which then supposedly extends battery life over periods of time. I wouldn't know because I get rid of these devices too frequently. Mm -hmm. It's a blind spot I got. So would this outrule Oppo's 125-watt charger? So it isn't going to beat it in the raw sense, mm -hmm. but it would be another option. Uh, for example, in this article here, states that Xiaomi is looking into including QC5 in its range of devices. Mm. So it's a real, it's a branding thing. Sometimes you'll see a power brick, it will say Qualcomm Quick Charge, but then you'll see some proprietary version like Oppo's talking about or OnePlus to get the warp charge. Warp charge it used to be called Dash Charge yes. for a while. But you, you see what I'm saying? It can either be a marketing engine for a particular brand to say, here's where, where we're different, or they can just agree to have some kind of a standard. I don't know which way the industry is going to go, but obviously Qualcomm is going to have some degree of influence and Xiaomi adopting it would be an example of that. Samsung could adopt it. Others could just agree to, to go the Qualcomm route because it does have this backwards compatibility benefit where others do not. Mm. And the affiliation with, well, the chip maker that's likely in the device 
kind of having a little bit more control over the power delivery. Yeah. So interesting. Good news for people looking for fast charging. Making current stuff feel super dated oh, when yeah. you read all this news. Mm-hmm. Whether it's 125 watt, 100 watt, everything feels slow right now. I'm reading about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not really charging slow either. But yeah. just slow compared to this. Where we're going. Quicker. It's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible future. Uh, after TikTok, India considers banning PUBG, AliExpress, and hundreds more. Yeesh. Uh, I, I mean, we talk about things heating up. We know they're heating up. Maybe they're just hot. Maybe they're not even heating up. Anymore. It's just hot. Yeah. India and China seems to be sort of a focal point of the uh, sort of software, tech software wars. They just made the call, pulled the trigger on a bunch of big apps, and now they may be increasing that. 47 Chinese clone apps have been vetoed. So that's the latest banning. It's a bunch of those, you know, the knockoff apps, like the the clone versions. Yes. Which sometimes exist as an alternative for whatever reason, but then also ramp up in production when one gets when something gets banned and these ones come in and try to satisfy users. Yes. Uh so those are easy because they say, well, if we veto TikTok, then what is this little TikTok light over here? Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of that one too. Uh, but the 275 that they're looking at are some other key apps that weren't part of the original list that could could really affect some people, including apps by the name. I don't know if you ever heard of this app, a little app called PUBG. Mm-hmm. It's now on that list. They're uh, a little bit skeptical over here. Wildly popular multiplayer game because, as you know, I think PUBG's got 10 cent money in it. Right. A little bit of 10 cent money is enough to get you on the India radar. For Big the investor. for the regulators, the regulators they just look for ten cent money. They go down the list. Oh, that app got a ten cent piece. We're gonna look into it. So that includes some others as well, including uh, AliExpress mm. is on this list, and and so that's a big e-commerce player that could potentially be banned. Now, keep in mind these aren't banned; they're just on this list. They're getting some extra scrutiny right now. Uh, you've got Clash of Clans on there. Because they took a $0.10 investment as well. And then some other ByteDance apps and even a Xiaomi app as well. So, like I said, things are hot over there. And this landscape could change rapidly, quickly, and the impacts could be massive. Now, I know it seems like you're just saying, well, it's just a game. It's PUBG. Who cares? Like, it gets banned. What's the big deal? But it's it's these pieces of software with huge installed base. And, and you have to look at it a bit differently here, Well, It's not about the game being played. The concern here is around data and where the data is flowing and what these apps know about you and where they're all plugged in and tied in. Hmm. Uh, some, of the, some of the scrutiny around ByteDance was, for example, one particular flaw, I suppose, on iOS where it was peeking into the dash or into the clipboard. Yes. And he's saying, why are you looking at the, at the clipboard? And, and, and ByteDance says, well, uh, it's an anti-spam type of thing. That's what they say. Is I don't that, know. Is that that's what, what they, they said? That's what they say. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you don't see me over here putting, putting the brackets around the code. No. You, you maybe wouldn't. one day you peek over here. Maybe one day, yeah. You never know. But for me now, it's mostly the, new, the news. It's my code. It's where I spend the time, mm. which is fine. That's, a, that's for somebody as well. However, 
uh, these the implications here are massive from that standpoint, not just from the standpoint of what the app actually does, but what is what the app is doing in the background. So it really doesn't matter if it's PUBG or if it's TikTok. It's these massive install base bases bases that are capable of transmitting tremendous amounts of user data, which is still on paper the reason for all this, even though you may perceive some political component. But that would be up to you, Willie Do. Mm-hmm. That would be up to you. Mysterious white next-gen Xbox controller appears online. I like this story. It's an old-fashioned leak, once again. You know I'm down for a classic-style old-fashioned leak. This showed up on Reddit as a post from a user who claims to have been at a party, a party hosted by an individual whose father is a Microsoft employee. And the controller's just sitting there? Yeah, it's just ready. It was ready to be leaked. What I like about this story is I have a nostalgia myself of the house party, although... Are people partying COVID stuff? I don't maybe not as much, but it gave me still nostalgia. I had the house party, high school house party vibe. The hijinks? Yeah. Oh, the, the parents party. are out of town. Mm. Everyone's coming to my place. Mm. You see what I mean? I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't host it because it's too risky. Yeah. People are gonna destroy things. Will doesn't believe me right now. Then hosted it. Will doesn't believe me right now. But I have been to a number of those. And this would have been really cool. Imagine you went to a house party, parents are out of town, dad works for Microsoft, and you see this baby sitting around. Yoink. And apparently, <laughs> this thing wasn't even just on its own, but it was paired to what might be the next-gen console, oh. which was also sitting there. Now, it wasn't photographed, but according to the poster on Reddit, who, by the way, has now deleted this post, as you would, you get the call from the buddy, from the friend. He said, I w- first of all, my dad's about to get fired from Microsoft. Second of all, there wasn't supposed to be a party at this house in the first place. Oh, man. Double trouble. Double the trouble. Mm. It's double the trouble like a like a family movie. Uh, it, could, it could be like a title to a family. What was that movie where they switch places and the parents and the kid becomes the parent twisted? Lohan? Yeah. Oh, geez, I forgot. I don't know. It doesn't matter, Will. You're already looking for it. You're, you're searching faster for this topic than you would for a typical uh, tech topic like gotta get to the bottom of this freaky Freaky friday there you go and then of course they did the spoof of it with the hip-hop video with Lil dick he did the did he do a spoof of it i think with chris brown and oh yeah oh anyway it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what we're what are we talking about here Hmm. let's get back on track will you're taking us off track i'm blaming you for that even though it was completely my fault it looks like the controller's on it looks like, yeah, so see, there's another one. It looks like the controllers on it. obviously looks a lot like the previous generation, but if you look closely, you'll notice the D-pad is quite a bit different. Uh, this was posted by Reddit user Wolfie Wizardo, which if, I'm a, if I was ever going to leak a controller, I might set up a username like that on Reddit. He snapped the photo at a party in Washington, which, again, that's where Microsoft is based. It was hosted by the child of a Microsoft employee before the account deletion. The account had been commenting and posting about topics in Seattle, Washington for months. It has a new D-pad on there alongside a new share button that Microsoft is said to be shipping on next generation consoles. Uh, Apparently, this user also spotted something. They claimed the associated console was white and looked more squarish and the Xbox button looked bigger on it. So this has the internet sleuths all fired right up as they would be that if it looked more squarish and less tall, maybe this was the budget, rumored budget 
mm-hmm. Xbox Series X or whatever it would be called. It could be shrunken down a little bit, a little more low-key version, come in white. We don't know. Obviously, there are many questions that remain, but it's got people thinking about what that might be. Yeah, look, you've seen that image as well. Fan-made. That's a fan-made, supposedly, Xbox Series S concept. Although this guy on Reddit says it had a big Xbox logo or a big Xbox power button on it. That has a tiny one. But yeah, maybe this artist is pretty close to the budget model. Save a little space. That's a great image you got there, Willie. Now, that's the type of Googling that the fans want right there. They, yeah. the, the fans want two things. That, that type of speed and your microphone volume. That's all Apparently, they want. Yeah. yeah, that's all they want, fans. Anyway. Uh, we're getting closer to these next-gen consoles, that's for sure. Halo Infinite Developer 343 Industries responds to graphics criticism. Now, here's what's weird, okay? Uh, we were watching the clip, and I must have been caught up. I guess I should apologize here. I must have been caught up. Yes. Oh, you're agreeing with the fans on that. You're agreeing I, with, I do. Um, were you caught up as well? I was. I, I mean, it's the next Halo. You know, you have to be excited mm-hmm. for it. It's Well, we were being too nice. Did you know that? Yeah. You're I, not- I noticed that. I noticed that too. Um, I actually watched a video of a, a analysis of it. And uh, it's it's true. They say that a lot of it has to do with lighting. Mm-hmm. The lighting is really flat. Mm-hmm. And that's why it looks really uh, last gen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great analysis video. I'll, I'll try to look for it right now. It's yep. from uh, Digital Foundry on yep. YouTube. Yeah. So we were being too nice. You know, sometimes you and I were sitting here, we're reminiscing, and we're looking at it from the optimistic point of view. Hmm. And sometimes people say, hey, look a little more closely and uh, see what you can find. And, and so they, that's why we're back here right now, because I'm coming full circle on it. Absolutely, you and I were just pumped because it's just another Halo. It's next gen, and we were and we were sort of reliving our Halo uh, childhood yeah. a little bit, and and so maybe that blinded. I know it blinded me a little bit to really running a full scale analysis on the next gen, the next genness of this clip. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's not that next gen at all. What's so? There's nothing really next gen about it. I was happy to be streaming it in 4K 60 because you just rarely see that on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the thing looked pretty smooth and felt pretty uh, responsive in the trailer. But no, it didn't seem like a giant leap forward in graphics at all. Right. And that really wasn't what I was commenting on. I think it was more just, wow, we're back and doing Halo again. Mm-hmm. And that's where my mind was. But yeah, as far as a graphics analysis, not that impressive. And the one of the developers was actually being interviewed and they're still claiming, hey, this is early, whether you want to believe it or not. And some of the criticisms that were lodged were around the, uh, the characters, the, the enemies, mm-hmm. that they looked like they were completely last gen mm-hmm. and just ripped. And I, look, I don't know how much work can still be done on this. I, you don't know how rushed it is to make the deadline for the promo video. You don't know what can be fixed before right. the game actually comes out. I mean, some people probably do. 
But it's also totally possible that it's just a cash grab and they say, look, Halo's back and they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that either, for the record. Yeah. But I guess people want to see it covered from, from both sides and I guess you're right. If you're talking about wanting a giant leap forward, this ain't it. And to, but, to, but to come to complete the thing here, I would say that that giant leap thing hasn't happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. Games right now still pretty much look like games from a while ago. Yeah. We haven't just gone to that next level of whoa, like we did when you went to, oh, I don't know, uh, the PlayStation 2 mm-hmm. or the original Xbox for that matter. When you first saw Halo coming from where you came from. Yes. Open world. I'm talking original Halo. Yes. Combat evolved. We're not we're not getting these these leaps anymore. And instead it's more minor improvements, like, oh, that kind of like what I just said is really responsive or uh the world got a bit bigger. It's it's not what what people are hoping for. It's kind of almost mirrored similarly in the smartphone market, mm-hmm. where people want the original iPhone moment to happen again. And it's just like, no, we sort of figured out smartphones and we're kind of locked into it now. Video games are a little bit there, though. I don't know. I watch trailers and I'm in the optimistic mindset and I'm like, yeah, you know, they they did some work there. I did the same thing with the Cyberpunk 2077 clips. Now, granted, they had more ray tracing stuff going on and that's what the technical, that's, that gives it a next gen-ness. Yes. So ray tracing is sort of the next gen tech Mm -hmm. that all the people are, are wanting because it, involves real-time shadows real-time texture yeah and it it just looks better yeah you know so hopefully we can get that Mm -hmm. um hopefully it can be applied to halo because i heard this one was uh for this current gen and then they had to make it for the yeah i know and that's where i'm 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 curious what can you really do at this point now with the time deadline how much reworking can you do Mm -hmm. as a developer and how much are you locked into what you already had? I don't know. No. But, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're just Halo fanboys. And you just... For sure. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're being called out there in the public. I think we were trying to see the bright side of it a little bit. And I think I just get... I'm just also excited about the fact that we're getting... We're going to finally up the resolution and, and frame rate across a wide variety of titles. Yeah. Like, that just, to me, that's cool. Or that's good. For sure. Anyway. Uh, speaking of technological advancements, did you know that ROG Phone 3 that we recently unboxed is has a secret 160 hertz mode? So the flagship characteristic, the big time spec on this device, is the refresh on the, on the screen coming in at 144. They hope to sell a lot of phones to gamers at 144, even though you can't play that many games at 144. I have found a handful of games you can unlock the frame rate and get there. But this takes it a step further. Apparently, with a simple command in ADB, you can unlock the option in your settings to go beyond 144 all the way up to 160. And if you play one of those titles that does have an unlocked or uncapped frame rate, you can actually run it at 160 as well, which is just insane for a phone. Yeah, It's absolutely insane. And I think 
I'm just speculating here. I'm guessing the reason it's not enabled by default or advertised is it must just wreak havoc on the battery. Mm -hmm. And it must just heat up like crazy. I don't know. But there must be a reason. Because you would think if you could claim to have the fastest display, because there are others at 144 now, that you would do it if your display was capable of 160. And in fact, they test the XDA ran the tests to make sure they could actually get games running at that rate and, and that the display is actually displaying it. Did their phone blow up? Absolutely. They're not here anymore. <laughs> they had, it's one of those viral Instagram yeah. discovery page clips where the phone explodes yeah. and everyone jumps. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, if you're serious about mobile gaming, go in and, and run the ADB command at your own risk. Huawei cuts India revenue target by up to 50%, laying off staff. This is a report uh, from the Economic Times, though it appears that Huawei disputes it based on their comment. Their India unit said the report suggesting layoffs is untrue, but did not elaborate. So you believe what you want to believe, but the report states that Chinese telecom company Huawei Technologies has cut its India revenue target for 2020 by up to 50% and is laying off more than half of its staff in the country. And this comes amid calls to boycott Chinese goods, which we've talked about a number of times here on the show. The newspaper said that the company was targeting 350 to 500 million in revenue for 2020, compared with the seven to 800 million it was aiming for earlier in Asia's third largest economy. That of course is India. Uh, well, I mean, look, this would make sense if you are going to slash your targets by a substantial margin, let's say half, well, then you're going to probably aim to do the same with your expenditure. I mean, that's just business. Well, it's just 101. Easy stuff. All this money flowing out, you're not getting it back. Uh, whether or not it's to be believed, it's obviously not the most positive press if you still intend on competing in that market, participating in that market. You're not going to want people to think you're on your way out. Mm-hmm. And so this is it's a really interesting spot that Huawei's in, similar to the UK situation where they're on the way out from the networks uh, the govern uh, via the government action. And then at the same time, they open three giant retail flagship venues. Right. So it's like this kind of push and pull situation where you're in, but you're out, you're out, but you're in, and it all depends on perception. But you can imagine if you owned one of these devices in that market, any of these markets, you don't want to know, first of all, that they're on the way out from a service perspective mm -hmm. or a warranty perspective. And then if you're about to approach getting one, same thing. You want to know they're in it for the long haul and that nothing's going to get in the way of that. Well, it's hard to do business under this microscope, the microscope they're in, they're under, at the reduced capacity without people taking note and becoming skeptical and potentially uh, apprehensive uh, about interacting with your brand. But anyway, that's the report. 50% is not, that's a big, that's a big number, Will. Big number. Yeah, their, 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 their uh, future in India is, if that's the case, in a one-year time, that's Jeopardy. Hmm. What's the, can you give me the definition of Jeopardy real quick? Define Jeopardy. Remember, I watched a movie once, Double Jeopardy. With uh, Ashley Judd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't be caught for the same crime or twice. Or, yeah. I don't know. Double Jeopardy. I don't know if it works. 
Well, of course you're going to get. You got to write Define. You're going to get the game show. It's a popular game show. Shout out Alex Trebek, who uh, is continuing to ex- exceed expectations with the cancer diagnose- diagnosis. Yeah, he's crushing it. He's crushing it. He's so side really note. Well. Jeopardy, danger, loss, harm, failure. Michael's job was not in jeopardy. Well, yeah. Huawei's position in India. Jeopardy. Uh, speaking of China's relationship with the world, and specifically U.S.-China relations, of course we talked about the closure of the consulate in Houston. Well, we have retaliation. Uh, China shutting down the U.S. consulate, one of them, in Chengdu. And what's interesting about this particular closure is that they had a giant crowd watching. <laughs> imagine, imagine... <laughs> Yo, Will, you want to head down and watch the, uh, they're closing a consulate over there. Make some popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're going to see, but I guess it's historic in a way. Uh, apparently, there were a thousand people out there, thousands of people gathered outside the U.S. consulate in Chengdu on, on Saturday as workers inside packed up and prepared to leave on the orders of Beijing. You had a police and security presence. They're removing boxes and files as you would do if you were ordered to close. Uh, people young and old gathered around to witness the retaliation, some patriotic shouting, uh, pro China sentiment, others a little more concerned about the escalation and the potential for conflict between the two nations or just the lack of getting along, which is probably not great for both parties at some level, at some point, I think most can agree that that's the way conflict can go. I think that it probably doesn't have to go all the way there and things can get figured out. In the meantime, we're just going to close consulates back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> the embassies are still there. It's I th- There's a there's a symbolic aspect to there it. There is, yeah. You close my consulate, I close yours. <laughs> Checkers. An Instagram bug showed a camera on indicator for iOS 14 devices even when users weren't taking photos. Okay, so this one's interesting because recently you had the controversy around the webcam on MacBooks and Apple came out and said, don't you dare cover your MacBook because it was shattering people's screens. But then people said, I don't trust your tech that is not actually looking at me. And then Apple said, hey, if that light ain't on, it ain't working. The light is everything. And then now you have this Instagram bug where the light is on and Instagram says, no, 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 nothing was ever captured. (laughs) And this is, of course, an iOS 14 bug, so it's the latest stuff, and there's going to be some bugs. But still, I can understand why people would would uh, be a bit concerned with that light coming on after the way that Apple has talked about that light, that no, your camera is operating yeah. when the light is on. So anyways, people were scrolling through, and they weren't taking a, a photo or video, and they were seeing the camera on indicator while in Instagram. An Instagram spokesperson said the behavior was a bug, it's being fixed. The app's create mode is accessible from the Instagram camera, which could set off the camera indicator and swiping into the app's camera from feed may also trip it up. Trip it up. Interesting language there. Uh, seemingly indicating that it's, oh, it's a small little malfunction. Now, Instagram, of course, owned by Facebook. Facebook constantly being scrutinized for its um, uh, treatment of users' privacy. I don't need to tell you, Willie Do. So they're not exactly the best company to be tripping up. 
on in this on this front. But also, I will go ahead and say, software difficult once again. Brackets, words, codes. So it doesn't necessarily always need to be malicious, but when it's coming via Facebook, you do ask some questions. Apple apparently targeting all areas of potential privacy concerns by within iOS 14 offering up new indicators and new uh, ways of seeing what apps are actually doing, mm -hmm. including functions like I mentioned with TikTok where the there was the issue with the clipboard. clipboard. Mm -hmm. By the way, TikTok said they're going to remove clipboard stuff altogether as you would if you were if you were TikTok mm -hmm. and you were and you were being uh, examined. You would eliminate all that anyway. So it's showing you all the stuff apps are doing. I don't know if people are going to be using apps after this. They're going to be, that app's doing what? And this one too? But yeah, apps, they reach in. They reach in deep. Yeah. Right to your soul, Willie do. Oh, boy. Reliance Industries overtakes Exxon to become world's number two energy company. This is uh, something that I haven't investigated all that much because, of course, we talk about Reliance in the form of Geo mostly and in the form of the high-tech piece. But this is a, a company with its origin in energy. And things are booming. Uh, well, things aren't necessarily booming in energy, but they're booming elsewhere for Reliance, which is bringing everything up, including its energy business. When we say number two energy company, you are talking about market value, which is up to 189 billion, and ExxonMobil on the other way, in, on the other hand, is on the way down. The biggest player in the energy space, of course, uh, Saudi Aramco. Market capitalization will 1.76 trillion. Get it together. Hmm. Get it together when you put the T. Bezos can't buy that. You got B's. You got T's. Yeah. All right. You got the B's and the T's. Yeah. And you better know the difference. Mm. That's no joke right there. But that said, the energy business ain't what it used to be. And the big piece here, the interesting part, is that is Reliance's uh, progression away from energy and, in, and investing into all these other areas. We're talking about, uh, obviously, geo. We're talking about fiber. We're talking about communications. We're talking about uh shopping with the Amazon investment and attracting all this money from the big tech players mm -hmm. a recognition now uh Ambani actually uh inherited the energy business from his father oh so he had this thing already and then it's mostly i guess been his agenda his advisors whoever else to move into these other segments to diversify and look to growth elsewhere when the maybe the energy thing cools off mm -hmm. the way the world is right now people well you know right you know the the if the world if the if the planet is vibrating less remember that previous story cuz people aren't moving around as much yeah look at air travel I mean, it's really all over the place. The, the, the reasons why consumption of traditional energy is down, well, you diversify, you get into the tech, and you, you create, uh, well, you become more robust, don't you? And tech is scalable for the most part. Yeah, it's that new, it's that new thing. And actually, to be, to be fair, even those, some of those Saudi companies and investors diversified and looked to make investments in tech companies and things like this, things of this nature, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, Will. No. no. What a saying, by the way. As if people are splitting their eggs on the way home from the store. 
nah, I understand it's not meant to be taken literally, but we need another one, not just the eggs in the basket. Okay. Because my eggs are normally in one basket. <laughs> Although they're being delivered lately because of tech. Yeah. So there's no baskets. Or it's somebody else that's carrying the basket. I just received a basket. And then, uh, then my basket only needs to make it from the bag to the fridge. Russian hacker gang Evil Corp. What a name, by the way. Just get right to it. Uh. Maybe behind days-long Garmin outage. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I was curious to ask Kirk about this because he has the Garmin fitness thing going on. He's not here yet, but essentially the way this breaks down, there was some sort of an outage that took place and people started to speculate what the reasoning might be. And uh, Garmin doesn't make any official statement on it, but then this group claims to be the ones causing the outage and wanting some sort of a ransom payment in order to alleviate, to give, to give the data back or to have things operate again properly, essentially. Now, this group has apparently been behind some pretty high-profile hacks. The attackers reportedly crippled the smart, smartwatch maker's Garmin Connect service last week with malicious software. Evil Corp runs the Wasted Locker ransomware responsible for the Garmin outage, which encrypts the target's files and demands a ransom to unlock them. Hackers have sought as much as $10 million to release the affected data. But apparently there's a way around it. Uh, you just have to have the data backed up, and then I don't know exactly what steps are necessary and whether or not uh, how compromised the individuals happen to be. U.S. officials accused Evil Corp in December of targeting banks and financial institutions in more than 40 countries and stealing more than 100 million with its Drydex malware. So hmm. this is not your typical, your regular run-of-the-mill, uh, curious individual hacker. It appears they've, well, maybe it is. I don't know how big the team is, but either way, the enterprise, if, if, it's, if it's true that they've accumulated more than $100 million. That's a heck of an enterprise. Apparently, this individual also famously rolls around in some sort of a customized Lamborghini. So maybe if it, maybe it's not $100 million, but it's definitely a few bucks that they figured out over the years. Is this wedding uh, affiliated with this hacker here? Oh, that's his wedding? I'm not too sure. It's Footage shows extravagant yeah. wedding of Russian super hacker. I would, yeah. I mean, they posted it here in this article. I would guess. Does it show him? If it shows him, we'll know for sure. It's a heck of a wedding. It's not going to show him, right? It's uh, well, why not? I think he's his his. Doesn't he want to be anonymous? But his picture's all over the thing, so. Oh. I think it's well known who he is. Well, let's see. Roll the clip a little bit longer. Maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't actually show him at any moment. Shows the back of his head only. Well, to be fair, the whole thing is sort of shot from far away. Right. But it looked like a bit of a wedding. Probably cost a few bucks. Kansas-based Garmin has yet to publicly confirm the cause of its outage, but by early Monday, the company had fully or partially restored all features of its Garmin Connect platform. And so they seem like they're coming back without paying anybody any money. Mm. Either that or they paid the money quietly. Yeah. Some hush hush. Money. We'll ask Kirk what he experienced when he gets in, but either way, that's some He's some hacked. big level, high level stuff going on there. Google reportedly gonna keep 
employees working remotely until July 2021. We're in 2020 right now, Will. Mm. July 2021. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a while. So uh, the apparently Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai reportedly made the decision last week. Plans to keep 200,000 full-time and contract employees working remotely until at least July 2021. Now, they did say at one point they're going to open up some of their offices in a limited or optional fashion, but 200,000 people staying home is a pretty big number. That's a lot of real estate mm. that you would have had for those 200,000 people. Coming back to the thing about commercial real estate and how who, who even knows what's going to happen. How many years can this stuff be vacant? And will, will people ever flock to the large open office the way that they did in the past? Will it happen ever again? Google had previously announced plans to reopen some offices for a limited number of employees starting July 6th, but then made the return to physical offices optional. And part of the reason for putting a time frame on it has to do with uh, not having clear news, clear word from the education in different places, whether or not it's going to be back. The board, the different boards of education have a different opinion on what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so families are trying to plan, figure out, okay, am I home? What's the kids going to do? What am I going to do? And for how long? And so that's part of the reason for putting the timeline and, and an actual guideline on it. But you can imagine things about to get crazy. 200,000 employees, other people, other companies likely to follow suit. And then if school doesn't come back, it's pretty wild, pretty chaotic at these mm -hmm. at, at the houses. <laughs> I can speak from experience, although we we haven't been impacted here at work all that much. But right. we were for a month. You were you were gone for a month. I, maybe you don't even remember at this point. Early in the early days, we were keeping it real low key. Yeah. Early days, early lockdown. So uh, here's an interesting one about the types of watches that the uh, super wealthy are into. Kind of surprising. You may expect, Will, that that these guys are rocking some super expensive. $100,000 type of watch. Yeah. But it turns out, unlike uh, the rappers of the world, they're, they're, they're a little bit more low-key, some of them. Oh. The, the curious one on this list is actually Bill Gates, who's wearing, caught recently, wearing a Casio. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something funny, like uh, he bought it off a 25-cent. No, no, no. He had a 69.95 Casio. Okay. Which apparently is a pretty good value. It's a 200 meter diver watch. People say it's actually a good bang for the buck, but he's caught wearing that. You kind of wonder why, don't you? Hmm. Uh, Steve Jobs is in that famous image there. He had a Seiko watch on, which is not super exclusive Japanese watch. I actually had a Seiko watch when I was a kid. Hmm. Uh, and they're going to re-release that one in Japan as a special edition. Tim Cook obviously wearing an Apple watch, as you would, but he's the only one on this particular list not wearing a traditional watch, huh. but instead wearing a smart watch. That might, that's something I think is kind of standout to people, to, might be a standout thing. Right. They're all, these are tech CEOs and they're not all gravitating towards smart watches. Another cool one, if you scroll down a little further, Elon Musk, he every so often wears a SpaceX tag collaboration watch a little further down after Tim Cook. So his SpaceX project collaborated with which watch company? Oh, Tag. Yeah, I just said that. 
with Tag to put out this special edition where they gifted it to him. And he doesn't wear it all the time. It's a limited edition Carrera Caliber 1887 SpaceX chronograph. And that, they gave that to him back in 2012, and he's spotted occasionally wearing it. I like this one because it has a special, a personalized component. First Swiss watch in space. And I believe over on the left-hand side there is some sort of a jet engine or some propulsion sort of system. propulsion system. Yeah. Cool. So that's cool. I mean, it's got the personalized. That's probably my favorite one of the bunch, personalized yeah. characteristic. Uh, and then also Zuckerberg, no watch. No watch. You don't need a watch when you're Zuckerberg. So interesting little find there. Cybertruck. You know, remember when Cybertruck first got announced, people started asking about the color. Wait a sec. Can we get different colors? What if, a point. Yeah. what if I want a black Cybertruck? What if I want a pink Cybertruck? Many people asked about a white Cybertruck. Well, Elon said, look, we're not going to be able to paint the thing, or we're not going to paint the thing. I don't know what would be involved in painting the thing if we would compromise it in some way. But he said, if you want a different color, you may have to wrap it, right? Mm. But of course, most people aren't going to be going for a wrap. It's well, it's just it's typically an aftermarket thing. Right. It'd be weird to order a car with a wrap on it. I don't know why that seems weird to me. I guess you could do it. I don't I mean it's doable, but something there's a apparently a much cooler option or a hotter option, depending on the way you look at it. You can heat the steel of the Cybertruck to different temperatures in order to change the color characteristics. Oh, is that uh, called anodizing? No, that's different. Oh. That's some sort of a bond. Uh, that's where the particles actually bond to the material. Okay. And there's a there's a whole process for that mm. anodization. That's a tough one too. But this is no. This is actually heat. Oh. And uh, and Elon's just been on Twitter talking about it a little bit. He hasn't confirmed that they're going to offer this as an option. In fact, they likely won't. Unless there's some in, insane demand for it, because I can imagine this to be very labor intensive. But if you scroll down just a little bit here, it's really interesting. A little bit more. That's a white one that he said not impossible. Right there. This is the best image. And we're on Electrek, by the way. Tempering colors of steel. And here you can see how at different temperatures you get a much different appearance of steel. Mm. And there's some unexpected shades in there as well. It doesn't start to look charred or black until 388 degrees Celsius. But before that, it goes purple, blue. The copper one's kind of cool. Copper color at around 260 degrees Celsius. It's like a kind of like a rusty copper look, which could be cool. Again, I don't know if any of this is possible. I don't know what happens to the strength attributes of the steel once being heated to these, these temperatures. But you can see on the far left, you have your normalized color there you know what's going to happen even if tesla doesn't do it some maniac's going to remove these panels and yeah. be the first one to temper his yeah. cyber truck i don't know maybe it'll, maybe that weirdo will be me well mm. speaking of vehicles we've been talking a lot about the new ford bronco it's gathered a bunch of attention as you're well aware this is a hot segment of the market we have an image that emerged recently of the bronco the new bronco probably like a test model of the Bronco parked next to a Jeep, which this appears to be, this is this is shaping up to be the battle of the off-road vehicles. Mm. And 
I was curious what your thoughts were here, Will. You see them parked beside each other. It's obvious they target one another. They're competing with one another. The Jeep has the classic look, which really hasn't changed much over the years. Now you have the Bronco coming into the equation. And those are four-door models, by the way. They're up against the two-door model of the Jeep. And you scroll down, you get another image there as well. I'm curious, how do you how do you stack these? I think, obviously, the Bronco looks a little more futuristic. Mm -hmm. The Jeep looks a little more rugged. Where are your taste buds on this, Will? You know, I've always been a fan of the classy look mm. um, of the Jeep. Uh, but the new Bronco, man, it there's something with the front of it. It just looks cool. It's doing something. It to, really cool. It's doing something to you, especially with the black. Okay, did you just pick the Bronco? Yeah, I, w I would take it over the Jeep. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, at least you get to be in the fresh. You get to hop into the f completely fresh thing. There's something to be said for that. If you go out and head out and buy a Jeep right now, it's kind of it is what it has been for a little while. Right. And so, feels a little less fresh in that in that sense. But that's kind of the point of the Jeep as well. So it's a, it is a tough choice. Uh, I think the Jeep still looks a little more off roady. For whatever reason, it could just be the way it is in my mind. It could be the way the front bumper is or the fenders, but that thing looks very off-roady. Yes. But definitely less futuristic in my mind. Hey, our little pal, our little pal Spot got a job. Spot got a job. Right on. I mean, Spot's got many jobs, but Spot specifically got a job from Ford. Speaking of Ford, they're going to use two Spot robots to map out its manufacturing facility, which these are enormous facilities. And I know a lot of people were asking, what's the application for these things? Well, you can hook them up with a ton of sensors and cameras and a bunch of other stuff to map physical space. And this is important because when you have a giant facility like Ford would have here, uh, it goes through changes over, over the time period which it's being utilized. Things get moved around. Uh, uh, different machinery, storage, things change. And how do you get an accurate map if you want to do a redesign or you need to add a new model or new parts or whatever? You need an accurate map. So apparently that's what they're going to be using these spot robots for, uh, particularly in their transmission manufacturing plant. These plants, Ford explains, have undergone any number of changes since their original construction. It's difficult to know if the plans that they have match up with the reality of the plants that exist today. So the original plans have been modified. The spot robots with their laser scanning and imaging capabilities will be able to produce highly detailed and accurate maps that Ford engineers can then use to modernize and retool the facility. They move around for two, two hours at a time, three miles per hour continuously, five cameras, laser scanners, and then they can synthesize all that information into an overall picture. Some are asking, can a human do this? Well, maybe, but Spot might do a better job also. Spot might be uh, kind of cool to have around. I don't know. Mm -hmm. A couple spots running around the facility. You're showing a video right now of some of the capabilities. I mean, it's kind of amazing, really. Yeah. They called them Fluffy, though. Oh, they named Spot Fluffy? Yeah. That's rude. Spot does not approve of that. I asked Spot about that just the other day. Speaking of robots... Facebook has a new robot as well. It's a fiber wrapping robot. And this is, speaking of uh, things robots can do that humans cannot, this is another really robot-specific type of task, I suppose, is what I would say. A robot would excel at a task like this. And this, this task I'm talking about is 
bringing fiber to communities that ha don't have high-speed connections and where the cost of doing so might not make any sense mm -hmm. through the t uh, typical traditional methods like digging giant trenches and running fiber that way. Facebook was, uh, I didn't even know Facebook was into robot. I didn't even know Facebook was doing this kind of stuff. But it seems like with every mega tech company, they got to have a robotics piece, an autonomous driving, a space piece, <laughs> content. Diversify. Uh, physical products, VR. It's crazy, man. They got to have everything. Anyways, um, this is, there's a video, Will, and I think you're really going to get turned on by this as much as I did. They had to first figure out what they were going to do with the cable. They had to get it a bit lighter, shrink it a little bit from what you would normally lay in the ground. And they had to create a robot that could actively use the pre-existing power, power lines. Because in these remote places, if they're going to have any line going there, it's likely to be a power line. Right. And so there's an example of a map in here. I believe it's Uganda. It is. And this map shows where internet goes, and then it shows where power goes. And it's like, oh, man, we got this infrastructure in place. We've already got these uh, poles and power lines going above ground. Is there a way we can do this more, bring the internet more cheaply by utilizing what's already there instead of digging? And that's where this robot comes in. You develop a robot whose entire purpose is to travel on its own across power lines wrapping a fiber cable around the power line. And if you scroll down to the video, you can see it in action. And it's really amazing to think, wow, yes, of course. To, for a human to do this, they would have to go be going up and down across the line in some sort of a lift mm. over long distances. This little guy, this little robot can carry the cable, wrap the cable, on its own, without the the without a human having to hold his hand. Look at this. See, look at the backside. You will see the fiber cable getting tightly wound around the power cable. Are you as excited as I am? That's cool. Is he? Uh, is he? Is it gonna move from like pole to pole? Yeah, so it has a spool on there, which is they had it. They had to engineer the spool a certain way as well, so that the center of gravity of the rope so it wouldn't fly off. That's the spool in the middle, and so the the spool is actually rotating around the cable as well. It's all it's very complex. They it's a custom sort of a one of a kind solution. Tip. There you go. Here he's talking about it right now. So this allows us to work with conductors that are closely spaced together. It's incredible. So that, it has like a spindle. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's it's a type of thing where, type of innovation where you say, yeah, of course. Of course we should do this. That's a, now you're bringing internet to these remote locations. I know Elon wants to do it with the satellites, which that would be, obviously that would be great too, but that's sort of more in the future, I suppose. Or it's going to be... A different, at least in what is capable of delivering, there's still a need for physical lines in some circumstances. And this robot's oh, one of the coolest ways I've ever seen seen it implemented. It has to get around a lot of obstacles too, and it's power lines, man. And so you can see the the tolerances. It's pretty incredible. Anyways, yes, robotics continue to advance. They advance so much that the next story beats all the other stories. Well, oh, sixty foot. 
<laughs> mecha style robot takes its first steps in Japan. Now, I don't know. As far as usefulness is concerned, I don't believe this particular robot can compete with Spot or the Facebook fiber robot. No, no. Very useful. But in terms of impact, this beats the both of them. You don't realize. 60 feet. You know what? I saw this picture, Will, and I immediately started thinking about how big the structure is around the robot. Yeah. Look at the building around the robot to build the robot. Yeah. It's incredible. Engineers in Japan have been hard at work building a gigantic 60-foot humanoid robot modeled after those in Gundam sci-fi franchise. Now, you're a Gundam guy as well or no? I'm a Gundam guy. You're a Gundam guy. Yeah. So can you? what can you tell me? What kind of insight can you give me why you would want to do this? Well, this seems like one of the original models for Gundam. Um, and they've already had models that are inanimate um, in Japan. So they're just statues. Okay. And they would light up and then some form of like, you know, maybe their vents kind of, you know, open up or something. Right. But it doesn't walk around like this one. No. And to have someone maybe pilot it, that's, uh, that's oh. pretty interesting. That, that's, that looks like. Does that turn you scale. on? Does that turn you on right there? Well, it's an achievement. That's As a what Gundam a lot guy, of people would look at is uh, yeah. Well, I can see it. that it's an achievement, but as a Gundam fan, is this some sort of a? Is there a special place you have for this? Did you always want to see? Oh yeah. Oh, you sure. did. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, this thing's enormous. It's uh, twenty-five tons, twenty-four degrees of freedom. The hand from wrist to fingertip is six point five feet. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, this thing is enormous, and it isn't fully walking in the video, but you can see it lifting its leg into a walking motion. They prepare to be getting close to actually moving this thing around to some degree. The company behind the robot, Gundam Factory Yokohama, was planning to have a preview event this month, but it had to be canceled, of course, due to lockdown. Mm. Maybe this is just, its a, I guess it's a marketing thing. You build this and you sell a few more of the... I don't even want to call them toys. I believe that's offensive. What are they supposed to be called? They're Statues? called the Gunpla. Gunpla? Gunpla. You can't call them figures or anything else? No, no. Wow. Well, model kits, I guess. Model kit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Apologies to the Gundam fans. Well, I think it's good. cool anyways. Yeah. You got to count on Japan, man. Look at this. Yeah. Incredible. Global lockdown, finishing touches, 60-foot <laughs> Gundam. <laughs> Speaking of Japan... Uh, this is the, the the band, the Forbidden Haircut. Did you know there's a Forbidden... <laughs> I didn't know there were rules around this. I know it's not the whole country, but a particular haircut in certain uh, education boards has been banned. And I want you to scroll and just... This is the haircut, the two-block haircut. Two-block. <laughs> it's when it's short. Oh, two-block. Two block. It's two. It's short, and uh, on the sides and the back, and then there's a like a bunch on the top. It's long on the top. <laughs> I see. I don't know. I looked what? at this and I thought, isn't that every haircut? What yeah. is it nowadays? I was like, like what even is a haircut? haircut? I don't know. But yeah, apparently this haircut is uh, it's very dangerous. And but I didn't know that Japan can be pretty strict around certain things. For example, certain hair colors would be banned in school, and uh, certain haircuts apparently, including this one, which is, is just a recent development, and it is in dispute. Some people are saying you're crazy. Some people are saying you can't ban this hair. This is a popular haircut. This is a 
uh, it's probably an effective haircut too, I would guess, because you know you don't have to maintain it as much as if the whole thing is short, like a real shortcut. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'm talking. I don't know anything about haircuts. I shaved my head for the last uh, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about haircuts. How but dare you? Uh, the the reason for the banning. This is the best part. Okay, <laughs> the argument. Um, here it is. There are cases when students have become involved in incidents or accidents as a res as a result of their appearance and other factors. So it is decided from the perspective of protecting the students to ban the haircut. What? <laughs> I guess some people, they're trying, I guess, to draw a correlation between misbehavior and this haircut. But I think that's a tough line to draw, obviously. And others that are disputing it are saying, show me the evidence. Yeah. Well, you get this haircut and all of a sudden you start. Uh, you become a gangster. Misbehaving. I don't know. Yeah. It's all very weird. The board has not clarified what those incidents or accidents refer to and has not provided examples of haircuts getting students into trouble. The board oversees 196 schools across the city with 83% having regulations on haircuts or colorings with 15 explicitly banning the two-block haircut. So, Will, you want to you wanna head to Japan, you better be careful with that haircut. Mm -hmm. People are going to think you're, uh, you're trouble. You show up with that two-block. Yeah. McDonald's says, no mask, no hamburger. What a headline. Uh, there's an update right at the top of this article that says, McDonald's said it doesn't want to turn away anyone seeking a burger. Which <laughs> No, no, we want your money. Don't do that. <laughs> which, which seems pretty obvious to me that if you were McDonald's, you wouldn't want to turn away someone seeking a burger. I think they just want to soften headlines like this. And I highly doubt if they put out a press release, they'd ever be quoted with uh, as, as stating it in that fashion. I believe it's probably like a lot of other places places where they're encouraging it or providing masks for people that show up looking for a burger. But a lot of this has little to do with McDonald's and more to do with whatever the regulation is in the particular place in which that McDonald's happens to be. There's a, a lot more regulation around masks in a lot of places right now. Mm -hmm. And the mask has turned into a type of uh, focal point uh, uh, for a variety of positions on how you view, I don't know, many subjects. It's a, I don't even, I actually don't even know the scope of what the mask thing is, uh, of where people stand on the mask thing. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people are totally on board. Some people are not on board at all. There's a variety of mask positions. Very much so. However, around here, it's pretty much mask everywhere. Though I see a lot of the mask below the nose. Like the mask, but it's down. Like yeah. it's not working as a mask. Yeah. People so can't breathe apparently. So it's like a mask. symbol mask. I got the mask, but I'm not really wearing the mask. So there's actually yeah. many options with the mask. There's the no mask. There's the, I've got a mask in the car. I'll go get it. Mm -hmm. There's the, the mask is on my face. On your forehead. But or barely. Below your Under nose. the nose or under the chin. Then there's the mask. I'm wearing a mask even when I'm driving my car by yeah, myself. <laughs> so there's a lot of mask uh, versions out there. But anyway, McDonald's, I, they're just following guidelines. I mean, you can't, I mean, how are you going to get mad at McDonald's? You can go through the drive-thru at a lot of McDonald's if you really want to anyways yeah. and avoid going in altogether. But uh, they're, 
one of the things is the staff too. The staff don't really have the option. They're wearing masks. Uh, 82% of our restaurants are in states or localities that require facial coverings for both crew and customers today. So that's a quote from them as well. So in many cases, it doesn't even have to do with McDonald's. It's just, that's what the government's doing. Mm. Speaking on, on the brighter side of food today, I'm going to show you some foreign fast food menu items that'll make you jealous, courtesy of Delish. This is the McDonald's ham and cheese pocket in Australia. Ah, not that exciting. I can imagine it. The poutine, McDonald's poutine, a Canada-only favorite. Have you tried it? No, I have not. You? No. Okay. Well, it's gravy and cheese on fries, sure so you can't go too wrong with it. Uh, maybe we'll pick one up after this. Pizza Hut, Paneer, Soya Supreme, India. I got a whole crash course on Paneer when I visited India. Type of cheese, popular in many fast food chains, so you're going to get a special edition Pizza Hut to go with that ingredient. This one is wild. The Burger King Kiro Ninja Burger, Japan. It's meant to look like a ninja sticking his tongue out at you, Will. This thing is nuts. Jeez. You have a single beef patty, hash brown, garlic, soy sauce, onion, and lettuce, and a massive slice of thick bacon uh, sticking out of the bun made to resemble a ninja sticking out its tongue. Okay, that, that one's probably going to win the weird zone. Taco Bell Chocadilla, South America. That is just chocolate chips melted in a tortilla. That's a dessert item right there. Sweet potato fries at McDonald's in the Netherlands, which just makes a lot of sense. That's pretty straightforward and obvious, but never popularized elsewhere mcdonald's crispy chicken scrambled egg sandwich in malaysia mm. burger king warm waffle switzerland this is another canadian one we're crazy we're freaks here the taco bell beefy cheddar cheetos crunch wrap slider mm. <laughs> sounds delicious this puts oh, uh, your typical crunch wrap on blast by adding cheddar jalapeno cheetos crunchy looks so, great that's a pretty wild one. Burger King Chicken Nugget Burger, which is a United King Kingdom item I don't really get because why don't you just put the chicken patty? It's going to be a lot less of a headache. Mm -hmm. uh, McDonald's Big Brekkie Burger Australia is wild. That baby's got uh, beef patty, hash brown, freshly cracked egg, cheese, bacon, and barbecue sauce. I don't, that's a heavy morning, right? <laughs> that's a, maybe, you had a maybe you had a lot to drink the night before. Yeah. And you get the hangover. You're looking for a cure to the hangover. You need some serious calories. Taco Bell barbecue pork quesadilla in the United Kingdom. McDonald's Georgie pies in New Zealand, which is some sort of a beef pie. Ooh. And the Burger King taro pie in Malaysia, which is like a hot, like a dessert pie. Right. Apple pie. Uh, many items. You got to respect. I mean, McDonald's, they go in there and they try to meet the criteria of the, of the uh, local fan base over there. Yeah. Make it traditional. Which one of that entire list are you, would you go for? Uh, I would go for this one. <laughs> and it's in Canada, so... Willie Deuce picking the Taco Bell Beefy Cheddar Cheetos Crunchwrap Slider. Oh, Hot, super delicious. jalapeno Cheetos inside of his Crunchwrap. Uh, Joe Rogan is leaving Los Angeles. This clip was flying around my suggested. Mm. Joe, Joe Rogan, I've been on his podcast a couple of times... Uh, of course, he signed a Spotify deal recently, and I mean, if he moves out of LA, it's big news for a lot of people. That said, he's been talking about it for a while. It's not really news to me. He's kind of been insinuating that he may be moving out of LA in various ways. Yeah, talking about the typical stuff, the traffic and uh, the congestion 
Mm. Uh, obviously, very high cost of living in Los Angeles as well, which a lot of people are talking about. This kind of stuff is being amplified because of the lockdown in certain places. And of course, the fact that humans are starting to look at their proximity to other humans in a yeah. new way. Uh, urban environments are totally, they're totally reimagined in an environment with social distancing and God knows whatever else we're talking about. You just, it's just different. Mm -hmm. uh, I can imagine being on public transit. I mean, I don't have to be, but some people do. And then you realize, I mean, we're pretty tight right now. All yeah. these viruses flying around and whatever else so i think it's amplified some things which were already uh, out there things that people were already kind of feeling and then this thing amplified to another level and to be fair he's not alone there has been an exodus taking place in a lot of major cities uh, that this is reflected in rent prices which saw a dip in places like manhattan and san francisco which never happened before so i don't think it's necessarily unique to to Joe wanting uh, me also you get older in life you can call your shots you can do you can be where you want it becomes easier to relocate mm -hmm. when you've had success success that he's had many drawing attention to the fact that Texas and California not exactly the same taxation either right so you throw a few more dollars in the pocket you put it all together he says he's looking for a little more freedom he also is in the middle of the country which he flies in his guests so now you come from the West Coast or the East Coast, it's a slightly shorter flight, I suppose. Yeah, that's great. You come in a central location. I know he's connected to Onnit, the, the uh, Onnit company as well, with the supplements and the fitness stuff and the kettlebells and everything else. And they're in, in Texas mm -hmm. and he's involved with that. So there's a number of factors I'm sure that play into it here. But like I said, I think you, you, you kind of expedite the process going through lockdown Maybe you look for a little more space. I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. Maybe you look around and you say, it's pretty tight over here. Uh -huh. Now, granted, I'm sure his place is not all that tight, but getting to and from the, the location, I mean, even trying to get things done, go to, there's just more congestion. It's true what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some people are going to come on this, on, come, come here, and they are obviously in those comments as well. Some locals in Los Angeles say this is the best place to be. There's some pride associated with it. And it's true, there's many advantages, Los Angeles advantages. Uh, proximity to great guests that are already there. Yeah. Um, tons of uh, nightlife and restaurants. And there are things that come from being congested. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's good things. The weather and the beach. and Oh, yeah. It gives us some of those things up. So it's not, uh, it's not a clear trade, but the, he did sign a massive Spotify deal. And the tax piece would be enough to make you look at it as well. Because mm -hmm. you'd be sitting there saying, okay, 13% tax in California. I go cash this check in Texas. It's a different story. Right. So I know athletes consider that as well when they sign with a particular team. It was one of the reasons around a big three in Florida that one time, the basketball players, when you had uh, Wade, LeBron, and, and Bosch. Mm -hmm. So it's not a crazy thing. I think most people would analyze and evaluate that. And now the key the key factor is going to be uh, whether or not, like how, how the guest thing works out if he can get people coming in there as frequently and if it's as easy to arrange guests. But they may have had a kind of an experiment with that because of the pandemic. They may have, over the past few months, through having some people come on screen mm -hmm. and work out various ways to do the show, it gives you a little 
exposure and, and experience with, okay, maybe we can do this thing a little bit more remote right? and fly people in every so often and all the rest of it. And his show's so big now too, that if you're a potential guest, the opportunity is so massive. Go take a, go for a trip to Texas. Yeah. You get, think about it, no congestion. You get off the airplane, quick trip to the studio. Just in and out. It's not crazy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worthwhile. So uh, shout out to Joe. Congrats. Uh, enjoy Texas. I'm a bit jealous. Could get a, he's going to get a compound or something going on over there. There you go. Why not? Uh, the largest ever map of the universe bends the mind. You showed me this one, and you said this has got to be in the show, Lou, and I agree with you. What a beautiful image that is. Uh, scientists have attempted to map the entire universe, which good luck with that. Where do you even start? Astronomers working on the Sloan Digital Sky Survey a decades-long project to map the universe. They released a new 3D map of the cosmos encompassing 11 billion years of the universe's history. (laughs) How? If that that doesn't cause you some type of pain or some type of... It doesn't fit. That doesn't fit inside. There's no room for all that. And there probably shouldn't be. 11 billion years? What? More than 100 scientists mapped the distances of over 2 million galaxies and quasars to create a map of the universe in relation to Earth. So Earth is at the center of this map, splaying out in two different, three-dimensional, all all directions, obviously. The light we see from other stars and galaxies takes a long, long time to arrive at Earth. In fact, one galaxy, for example, Andromeda, light from Andromeda would take 2.5 million years to reach us. 2.5 million, no big deal. No big deal, Will. You know, you start talking about the aliens from the previous with the with the spacecraft, Pentagon releasing details, and you you pair it to the scope and scale of the universe, and it's just it's all mind bending. Your mind is bent, permanently bent, trying to comprehend the scale, the vastness of it all. Anyway, this is really cool. I like the way it's colored here. There's a video that uh, does a an explanation of this particular 3D map as well. I think it would be cool back here as well. This gra- the graphic of it would be oh, yeah. cool uh, behind here. But it's a, I don't know, we probably have to license it or something. They spent 10 years building this. Now they just let us show it, like no problem. Maybe really? they do, I don't know. But it's actually complicated because objects in space are, are uh, there's so many different distances they are and it's hard to figure out exactly how far each one is. They had to measure patterns of light which on these objects is reflected and distributed in different ways in order to attempt to predict distance based on behavior around light Mm -hmm. the complexity of which is way beyond the scope of this show obviously Mm -hmm. thank goodness these uh scientists have been working astronomers have been working for decades in order to do it but like look at that what is even going on and the earth is at the center of that yeah we're and, around here somewhere. and then you have and then uh, somewhere on that earth you have a taco bell crunch wrap with cheetos jalapeno cheetos in it with my name on it with your name on it oh, and then at beautiful. the same time you can hop on twitter right now and bicker with somebody about which music artist is better than another or which politician you prefer mm. and then that so just just rest your eyes on that for a little while 
reconsider what's even going on.